and welcome to Please Be Seated. This will be the finale episode of Season 1. I hope you're all enjoying the series so far. I haven't recorded most of it yet. Um, and I'm here today with Greg Austin of Mr. Selfridge and Class. Hello. Good to be here. Finally. Yeah. I it think took, it was took me a different podcast when we arranged it, but yeah. this is... I, I'm putting a lot more work into this than the other one. Mm. Um, so, yes, we were originally going to review Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, but instead we, it seems easier to just sit and discuss class and your career and film in general. Yeah, it's been a pretty manic, uh, especially the last couple of weeks, but life has just been manic over the last year. Um, but we've been trying to organise stuff and trying to organise Sunshine as eternal sunshine of the spotless mind i just have not had any time i've literally been all over the country doing seeing you at uh, uh worcester on sunday uh, and then i've been in oxford and then i've been in london i've only just got back so finally found some time um so i've got a few questions that have been asked on different forms of social media multi robbie 10 asks do you think you could have taken the character of charlie smith uh yes always i suppose you can always take any character you do further uh, especially i think i was limited in that role in the sense that it was my first like big lead role that i'd ever done it was like this was our show um and so along with that came a lot of uh, nerves and just kind of shooting in the dark I guess so I gave it my best but even since then even since well we started filming about two years ago actually it was in April of 2016 we were filming so two years ago we started filming it and I've matured a lot as an actor since then I well I like to think so anyway so um I'm starting now as I get a bit older and getting a bit more sure-footed in my profession I'm starting to be able to push myself more into these characters and to make more of them so I guess if I was to do it again now I guess I would be able to push it slightly further make him slightly more uh, unique or slightly more uh, off the wall I, d I don't know I'd, I think I'd be able to go more in that direction just because I'm more assured in who I am as a person and how the business is run and how to act within the business so yeah I guess so you can always push yourself further I think the shame is that class didn't get what it deserved when you've got it on BBC three which means it's only the audience who want to see it are going to be the people who see it mm. and then you get the graveyard shift on BBC oh, one, BBC one yeah. yeah that was um yeah we were all obviously very disappointed with not with how it was received it was received very well um and the people that enjoyed it really enjoyed it uh so and we've got a real nice lovely core of fans that are still very loyal to this day um and we love you guys to bits we really do you you make it all worthwhile but obviously it would have been nicer if the bbc had shown some more faith in it um but I don't know what was going on. I heard lots of rumours of people moving around in the upper echelons of the BBC. And there was Patrick was supposedly very upset with how it was all handled. 
rightly so, I think. So yeah, I think it it would have been nice. It was also uh, a bit buggered by the whole BBC Three moving onto an online platform. So it's and it really wasn't getting as much uh, recognition as it had been. Um, so yeah, it was just an unfortunate timing, I guess. I think a lot of a lot of people, or at least from my extent. I, and I'm glad it wasn't, I expected class to be a lot more adult from the advertisements and things Mm. from it. Um, Because I think it was when you guys were on the fan show and you were asked about um, what the uh, BBFC Insight, the warning with the age Mm -hmm. rating on the back, would say. And it was violence, language, nudity. There wasn't a large amount of things like strong violence or nudity or that much bad language outside the first few episodes Mm -hmm. yeah it definitely i think it wanted i think patrick wanted to separate it from uh doctor who and sarah jane specifically um with that and they really wanted us to like emphasize the idea that yeah this is a more this is more for teenagers and what teenagers like teenagers like to be treated like adults um because they are young adults so we really wanted to get across that sense that yeah this isn't just uh, a sci-fi show that kids can watch this is something that's slightly tailored more towards your growing adult sensibilities and i think that's especially at the start it was where it really hammered home patrick wanted to make yeah look we're, and it we're doing the blood thing we're doing the, the sex thing we're doing all that but it didn't go um, too far like so many other shows go we can be you know, we can be adult. The first few episodes of Torchwood, you've got... They, I mean, there were no F-words or anything on that level in class. And the mm-hmm. second episode of Torchwood, you had a sex-addicted alien. Class didn't go to that level. You could tell that it was targeted towards teenagers. But it didn't feel the need mm-hmm. to expose itself to, you know, horrific... Yeah, and I think that's one of the one of the probably the problems with Torchwood is that they kind of lent on that as a bit of a crutch it's like oh we are adult we're we're edgy Um, and so i think if you lean on that too much it becomes a bit pretentious Mm. a little bit in your face and then people are just a bit like well you're just trying a bit too hard which is why i think that's a strength of class that we didn't lean on that too hard it was just there and that was a part of their lives because that is a slightly more realistic that is just a part of teenage life well, not the aliens coming through and stabbing you and no. <laughs> stabbing a girlfriend well, from... with the chest, but you know the whole relationship, having sex, gay relationships, all of this. Um, so I'm quite, I'm quite glad. I, I think I found it struck a nice balance with class. But from some level as well, um, what I quite liked was well, when I saw the first episode, I expected that because it was Peter Capaldi, it was you know less violent less bad language than it was going to be but i like the fact that it stayed quite steady there were bits where it's kind of oh that's you know that's horrible but people who saw the first mm-hmm. episode it's 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 doesn't get worse yeah yeah like the, the bad language as well toned down i don't know whether that was a deliberate thing i think episodes one and two are the only ones that contained particularly bad language and then mm. and I, I don't know whether that was deliberate or whether i've just looked into too many things <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if that was deliberate. I couldn't say either way. I don't think... Did Charlie swear ever? I don't think he ever did. Did he? From what I remember, I think the only bits, or at least that are kept in, we can't watch the deleted scenes in the UK, 
um, with the, the bits that were kept in. Uh, all I remember is there's Ram and Tanya swear in episode one over their Skype call, and it's hardly heard. And there's a, uh, I think one or two more usages in the Coach the Dragon tattoo. Mm. But it's still sort of PG-12 level. Yeah, minimal. Not super explicit. Enough um, enough to go and say, this show's an, an adult show, but not too much to expose young children who are watching it to... Yeah, you know, because to... at the end of the day, with these sorts of things, you are going to get younger kids watching it, um, no matter how much... You get kids watching 18s and stuff, so... Yes. It's the fact that we are aiming towards a slightly not an adult, explicitly, uh, audience, we're... Is that teenage audience? We're going to get some younger viewers as well. I guess Patrick was aware of that and was like, "Look, we want to make our mark and say, yeah, we can do this, and it's okay to say this because this is what happens in the real life, in the real world. People do swear, and swear words are great, and they're used for whatever purpose. But yeah, not to again, not use that as a crutch, and not to be like, oh, we're edgy. We can we can f and blind, and that's how we communicate." Yeah, so I guess just a. I, I think Patrick that Patrick was probably aware of that. He's a, he's a smart guy. I think the most gruesome moment was in the metaphysical engine, or what Quill did with that horrible eye surgery. Oh, that was pretty is, gruesome, yeah. wasn't it? Because um, the rest you... of the episode, you had you know you had fight scenes with no blood, and it was quite a a, a tamer episode, and then. Mm-hmm. The budget all goes into that, I assume. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, Patrick was pretty proud of that. I think <laughs> he liked that. This, it's like a scene. Do you ever played? Are you much of a gamer? Uh, not really. No, I. Uh, there's I a scene guess. in a game called Dead Space. It's a horror game. It's very similar to that. This eye surgery has to go into the eyes. Really pretty gruesome. But anything, yeah. Anything with an eye is horrible. <laughs> Have you read any of the class novels? Uh, I've read, yeah, I've read uh, Joyride, I think I've read. I didn't read the other two. Um, But, yeah, I read Joyride and enjoyed it. I read What She Does Next Will Astound You, and I've got Joyride, but I haven't read that yet. Mm. I I really like What She Does Next Will Astound You, because I I thought at first, because it's all about sort of vloggers and the internet taking over, I thought it was going to be, you know, I thought James Goss was trying to be cool at first, but it, it, it once again builds off that and becomes very self-aware and very clever in how mm. it does. Okay, yeah, I think that's a problem that a lot of these sorts of things do tend to have, is that they try and they try a little bit too hard to be cool rather than just letting people find them cool. Um but uh, again, I think with Joyride, I probably started out the same sort of way. It's like, yeah, is, is this trying a little bit too hard? But as it goes on, it kind of mm. settles into its own stride. And... I said the same sort of thing. I said the same sort of thing, and it's a, I think I mentioned this to you at, at Comic Con about the, uh, the the Heather's remake and how I ac- how I told Paramount that I hated the look of it, um, not knowing that they made it. But it, it was because through the trailers and everything, I mean, you haven't seen the original film, but the the main the main characters were originally the popular kids, and they were you know you, it was sort of a spoof of your typical John Hughes teen uh, comedy, and they were you know sort of blonde leggy girls, sort of popular kids. But in the new one, there's three of them, um, as, as there were, but there's one's one's overweight, one and one's gay, which I felt like they were trying too hard. But it's actually ve- it's actually very very self-aware 
and it sort of it, it makes fun of being PC, which yeah, yeah, you know, that's, it, that it, is your like ticking nice. ticking your quota sort of obviously gotta gotta have your your varied yeah. uh, cast, but yeah, that's it's, as long as you're self-aware about it, that's that's good. Yeah, sometimes sometimes I think things can go way too PC, and that that's you, you can see where, where people have to go, but there are also some problems with how extreme things get. There's there's a kernel in tr- of truth in almost any perspective in in my mind. So the whole PC culture that we live in, um, there's a lot of good that comes with it. Uh, a lot of good that we're getting representation and we're pushing for um, just a generally a better and more equal society but it does get to the point where it, stuff like quotas which is just ridiculous <laughs> it's just like oh you've got you've it becomes it goes too far the other way it becomes racist it becomes sexist and the fact that you are put you are lifting people unnecessarily above other people just because of their skin colour, which is sexist or racist in itself. Uh, just because it's, you're it's black. It's when people become offended on behalf of other people as well. Yeah, when. Which is, uh, do, you ever, do you watch H3H3? H3? I I did. Uh, I've seen quite a lot. I haven't seen him recently. He's a there's a big controversy over him being transphobic at the moment, and his point was that look just because you read into something as being uh, offensive does not make it inherently offensive and I think that's a good point um, as, uh, that goes the whole PC thing um, but there's a good balance to be found and people have a right on both sides to a certain degree um, and I think I that's very why political very quickly <laughs> I think that's why a lot of people like my I did a series of YouTube sketches about rights for mm. gingers which was sort of about oh yeah things. I watched a couple of them <laughs> Yeah, it's great that you take that on as a banner of pride, like you come across on like Twitter or the Ginger Luke, and use that use that as a strength. I think that's that's fantastic, um, and I think that's what you have to do. You just have to take your own thing, build off of it, and accept it, and be like, yes, this is me. And then we got another question saying um, from Chad R at Chadley Bradley, and they would Chadley like Bradley. to know um, if you're ever coming to Canada. I'd love to come to Canada. I've heard so much about it, and everything just sounds like a dream to me. Canada, everyone's nice. Everyone's really friendly. I love that. That it's supposed to be stunning, like absolutely stunning. I'm a big nature boy. I love my nature. So, go out hiking, go out camping in Canada sounds like a dream to me. So, yes, I'd love to come. I've not got any reason to go there for work or anything just yet, but I know they do a lot of filming over in Toronto, and I've had quite a few auditions for stuff that will be filming out in Toronto, so one of these days I'm sure I will be going to Canada to do something, if not just visit. So, yeah, hopefully, one day. Now, you discussed on um, on The Greatest Waste of Time about underrated TV series, Mm. And one that's been stuck in my mind because it's got a big cult following that sort of stays very quiet is Community. Have you seen? Ah, see, I know about Community. I've not actually watched it. Dan Harmon's show, right? Um, because I do. I'm a huge Rick and Morty fan. Um, so I, I think I probably should watch it, and I will get round to watching it at some point. Uh, just to see. Have, have you? 
yes, it it, it feels. It, I think it's either one of or is my favourite show. It ticks ev- everything for me because it makes references to the obscure movies that I feel like I was the only person who's seen. So it's quite nice to. There's a there's definite well, like what is carried on through Rick and Morty, but there are like straight up episodes which are spoofs of things. Like there's a there's a two parter of um, paintballing in the school in the college and the first part is a spoof of a clint eastwood movie and the second part is a spoof of star wars and they manage to go really well with each other and it's very very self-aware that's a character who constantly refers to each year at school like it was a season of a tv show so he's always breaking the fourth wall and then the final episode was all the characters pitching their ideal season seven which is done really well. <laughs> I get, yeah, okay, I'm going to have to give it a watch because, again, I do respect the hell out of Dan Harmon. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'll get on that. There's so much I need to watch, man. There's yeah. so much. AJ keeps talking... For those of you who don't know, AJ's my co-host on the podcast, my best mate. Um, he keeps telling me I've got all these things to watch and so I'm going to have to add community to the list now. I know... <laughs> Um, so what 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 would you consider to be your favourite film? Oh God, see these are the questions. I knew you were gonna ask me this, and I still don't. Ah, uh, no, I do know the answer. I think my favourite film, I think I've talked about it on my podcast, is The Mist, uh, directed by Frank Darabont. Have you ever seen it? I've definitely heard of it, but I don't know what I know. I'm loading that up on IMDb now. Yeah, it's um, it's. I think it's so important to me because it hit me at a particular time in life. Uh, I, was, I think I was about 14 or 15 when I first watched it, so about 10 years ago. Um, and Frank Darabont's a fantastic director. He directed the first series of Walking Dead. Um, and he's done a lot of other Stephen King uh, films like Shawshank. Uh, I think he did The Green Mile. Um, and The Mist is a Stephen King uh, adaptation of a novella that he wrote. Um, and I am the biggest Stephen King fan you will ever meet. That's probably not true, but I, I, I just love Stephen King. I'm re-listening to a book of his at the moment on an audiobook. Um, so that everything it just plays into everything that I love, and it's a real interesting... I, I, I've got a top three favourite films. I can never stick on one. Um, Go on, hit me. Be, uh, see if you've seen any of them. Uh, mm-hmm. National Lampoon's Vacation. Nope, never heard of it. No, that is a it's a um, road trip comedy starring Chevy Chase. It's um, oh okay. I think it's from the eighties. It's just sort of slapstick humour most of the way. Yeah. Um, Lethal Weapon. Oh, I've obviously heard of Lethal Weapon, but yeah. again, I've not never seen it. Now the annoying thing now when I mention Lethal Weapon everyone thinks of the TV series which mm. although it's quite good it doesn't hold up to the films at all does it not no no I, I get, that's another film I need to watch. that's sort of like classic cinema that mm. I kind of need to watch there's all these films that people say and I'm like oh I've not seen that and they go what <laughs> go on what's your third one then there's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind right okay yeah um, yeah which every time I watch it I find something new in it Especially when I I rewatched it I think on Monday, for, mm. uh, thinking that we were doing the uh, podcast on that originally, and mm. I found a lot more in that than I thought, and I think that's, there's probably a few others. 
That's the mark of a great film, is that mm. when you rewatch it, it opens up in new ways. That you can go, ah, there's that I didn't realise, or there's that subtlety, or there's... Yeah, there's always something new you can find, and there's not many films that can do that. In fact, I have a top ten list on my phone. If I quickly mention each of them, you could tell me if you've seen them. and where Yeah, rattle them off. Um, Keeping Mum is in fourth mm, place. No, I don't think I have. Have you heard of it? Or I feel, It rings a bell, but... It's uh, Rowan Atkinson and Maggie Smith with Patrick Swayze. Oh, is Swayze. it? Ah. And it's, it's where... Um, Maggie Smith sort of comes to the family of a uh, Rowan Atkinson's a vicar, and he co- and Maggie Smith's character comes to there as sort of a a caretaker, sort of a nanny to the kids, and she solves all their problems very Mary Poppins until they find out she's a serial killer who kills all the people who cause the problems, and it's <laughs> like, very clever and very dark, and it turns out Rowan Atkinson's character's wife is having an affair with Patrick Swayze's character, and it's just everything's bound. It's it, it's very clever and very funny. Um, that sounds right up my street. Mm. I might have to look into that. I do love Rowan Atkinson and Maggie Smith is obviously fantastic. Mm. That's nice. She's nice. Then there's Heather's, which I've already mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. Adapted to a musical as well. A lot of people prefer the musical. I enjoy it, but it's, I don't think it's as good. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what you did last summer. Um, is that the one with what's the face? Is that Jennifer Lawrence's film, or is that another uh, one? Jennifer Love Hewitt. Oh, it's Jennifer Sarah Love Michelle Hewitt. Geller, Johnny Galecki, and I think there's a few other people. I'm, I'm almost certain I've seen it, but I can't remember it at all. It's probably on TV a lot. Yeah. It's quite... About Time. Um, What's it about? Time? It's, no. <laughs> it's uh, Donald Gleeson and Bill Nye, and it's... It's like a standard rom-com, but this guy finds out the ability finds out that everyone in his family, every male in the family, has the ability to travel back in time. But like there's, there's sort of ripples that are caused by it, and he keeps going back until he dates this, until he gets a date with this girl, and everything happens through there. But then he finds out after they've got kids, every time he goes back in time to before they were born, the kid looks different or is someone else, and it's. Hmm. No, no, okay, not seen it. It's very emotional. It's one of the few films wherein Bill Nye plays a character that you can really feel for. Hmm. I do love Bill Nye. He's great. I, I sort of, as a guilty pleasure, I really like Richard Curtis movies. Um, Richard Curtis. I know the name. Can't think of the face. Four weddings, I mean, four weddings and a funeral. Oh uh, yes. Um. Uh, oh yeah, of course, Richard Curtis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I believe he wrote an episode of Doctor Who back in 2010. Mm. Oh, did he? He wrote um, Vincent and the Doctor. Oh, cool. That's cool. If, if you, if you, being in the Doctor Who universe, have you seen all of New Who? Or? I've not seen all of New Who, and I've not, I've not even attempted any of the old Who. But it's again, it's on my list. It's I'm working every so often. I go. Mm. Okay, I fancy watching another Doctor Who episode. And I've I've gotten out of order of them. I don't watch them chronologically anymore. Well, Vin- Vincent and the Doctor is great because it's the Doctor and Van Gogh. Um, Bill Nye's in it. It's written by Richard Oh, it's Curtis. that episode. Yes, of course. I've yeah, seen, yeah, I've seen, seen that, that episode. One. Beautiful yeah. scene at the end. Incredible yeah. piece of acting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's um, uh, one of the highlights of Doctor Who. That's when Doctor yes. Who is really in its stride as as television, I think. Then in ninth place, I've got Snakes on a Plane. Oh, I love Snakes on a Plane. <laughs> that was my teenage years. I loved Snakes mm. on a Plane. It was the the, the theme. 
the theme song was just the best, man. It's a brilliant sort of. It's it's a spoof without being comedy. Exactly, it's sense. fantastic. It, that now, uh, yeah, I've I've not seen it in years, but yeah, it's exactly it's it's just a it's a perfect spoof without being in your face about it and without being slapstick, without being too much of a parody. But and it's just a good film in its own right. It's a fantastic film. And if you've seen it on YouTube, the TV edit is hilarious. No, I've not seen the TV edit. There's where 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 Samuel L. Jackson goes mad. I think it's I've had it with these monkey flipping um, snakes on this Monday to Friday plane, which is brilliant. <laughs> um, I used to have a poster of that on my wall actually, <laughs> him and saying that quote. Um, uh. and then I well well right next to uh sort of it's not on my list actually, but very similar to Snakes on a Plane is Cabin in the Woods. Oh, oh, Cabin in the Woods, another fantastic, again, mm. a fantastic spin on a horror, on the horror genre, um, and comedic as well at the same time. Still very funny. Yeah. Lights while being incredibly dark and depressing. But at the end, just everything's thrown in, which is it's great. It's such a good brilliant. concept um, film. Yeah. Yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that any, film. For anyone to do it, I'm glad it was Joss Whedon. Um, mm. Yeah, he definitely uh, did that film justice. The only thing I've seen Joss Whedon do that I really didn't like was Alien Resurrection. Have I seen Alien Resurrection? I don't think I've. I've. Which one was which one was Alien Resurrection? There's been. It was eight, the there's... fourth one. Is that the fourth one? In yeah. which? God, they all blur into one to me for me now. <laughs> there's the recent <laughs> one. It's Covenant, wasn't it? Yeah, I I um... haven't. I still haven't seen Covenant. In the third one, basically Ripley dies. Um, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it. And in Resurrection, they build a clone of her and bring her back to life through that. And I, 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 it, it, it ended well on three. They didn't need to make a fourth one, and the fact that they did that just annoyed me for the whole film. Mm. Um, but yeah, anything after Alien, Aliens. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. I enjoyed Prometheus, but I know a lot of people were very with it I've seen Prometheus but I can't remember Prometheus <laughs> yeah again they all um, sort of blur into one nowadays they're all kind of the hmm. same film I, I AVP's fun but there's not really much in there um, mm. I did enjoy and uh, Predator it was good but yeah Predator pretty 2. shallow Predator 2 is absolutely rubbish uh, I've seen I've not seen Predator um, I've never seen the uh, original the, Predator, but the first Predator's great. Predator Two has Danny Glover in it, and it's the only thing I've seen Danny Glover in where he where it's terrible. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I'm getting into liking my so bad they're good films though. I'm, I've hmm. really started appreciating. I only watched. Uh, have you ever seen The Room? I've been meaning to. I can't get it at a good price. It's fantastic. Watch it with with some mates. It is just the funniest hour and a half you'll have. And where was I going to go next? Uh, have you got any sort of other films to recommend that are so bad they're good for anyone who's a fan of that, aud- uh, that yes. area? Yes, Dragon Ball Evolution, especially if you're a fan of Dragon Ball Z. We, 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 me and my mates watch Dragon Ball Evolution, and it is so, it's so wonderfully terrible. Have you ever watched Dragon Ball Z the, or any of the Dragon no, Ball series? I haven't. You might not appreciate it as much then, but um, for any Dragon Ball fans, which I am one, I, I grew up, that was my 
cartoon era when I was uh, when I was sort of your age actually and a bit younger. Um, oh, just seeing how poorly it was translated to film to a live action film. Uh, it's just unbelievably bad. And even if you don't know Dragon Ball, you can appreciate just how terrible this film is. And everyone had such high hopes. It's such a good anime series, and it's nothing like the anime, not even slightly. It's fantastic and it's horrific. Um, they they there is a terrible um straight to DVD release of and I I think I've mentioned a lot on the podcast even today um because because of how much I love National Lampoon's Vacation. They have the original four films: European Vacation, Christmas Vacation, and Vegas Vacation. And then um someone had the idea that because National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation had quite a big success and it. It actually was made on the exact same budget as Ghostbusters, although you can't see where the money goes off in that. But it's it's often on TV quite a lot. A lot of people consider it a, a classic. Someone decided along the line to make National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation 2 Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure, which the title's long enough. <laughs> the, effects <laughs> are, the effects are terrible. Yeah. Um, as in, it's literally you can see green screen in their hair, and it's sort of oh no, the boat's moving. Yeah, as it's the same with Dragon Ball. You ugh. can see all these terrible. As the same with the room. <laughs> There's the whole set out there on the roof, and it it is just so obviously green screen. It's they don't even tr- really try and hide it that that much. It's it's fantastic to watch. <laughs> That's why I don't like working with green screen. Yeah, I, think I, I mean, it if it's wrong, it's so wrong. I think I did it once, and it messed up. And I, but to be honest, I don't have any good software that works well with it. But, yeah. I just like, you know, an, an empty room, you can sort of convert it into anything. <laughs> yeah. I actually met... I don't suppose you um uh, met this guy, Gary something? He's I gave him a lift over to the convention on Sunday. Um, and... He's like the new voice for Scooby-Doo, for Shaggy, for... He's in loads of these um, new cartoons, and he's like he's a real prolific voice actor. And he just started coming out with these voices, and I was like, oh my god, this guy's amazing. I was sat in this, sat in this car with this like, incredible voice actor that plays Shaggy and Scooby and all these other characters. So Johnny yeah. Bravo, all these other... That's amazing. That's really cool. It must be really weird for kids, you know, meeting someone who voices people they see. Hmm. You know, I always I, think I, I, I can't remember. It'd always be um, weird if I met ever met Seth MacFarlane. I think everyone must do this with a Family Guy and American Dad, just hmm. seeing and voice all those characters. Just think, being a voice actor is incredible, and I, I'm starting as I get older to want to do more of that, and I've started playing more around with accents. So hopefully one day I'll be able to break into the voice acting business yeah uh, what was I going to say yeah there's very little animation stuff that I watch actually I'm ne- I'm the only sort of I haven't really digged into the sort of adult animation because I know they can be quite you know near the knuckle in oh yes senses. Um, <laughs> definitely Rick and Morty I've seen um, which, well if you, you know, watch Rick and Morty you can enough. probably watch most other things <laughs> yeah but that, that, that was bad enough and I I sort of dipped in and out of that until I'd seen the, through the whole thing. And I, I really like the Ricky Gervais show, if that counts as animation. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm sure it, do, it does, really. It is animated. 
Yeah, have you seen through Ricky Gervais show or seen bits of it? I've seen bits of it. I've seen mm. clips here and there with uh, Carl Pilkington, the legend mm. himself. Yeah. I I I'd really be interested to speak to Carl because I don't know how much of him you know is a character and how much is. That's it. Cause... I ca- where does the man start and the character end? Like, it, it could be him. It could just be him. But I've kind of yeah. doubtful that it is just him. He must be a little bit more yeah. normal than that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, he hasn't done much TV in a while. Apparently, he's doing a sitcom where he plays himself and his conscience um, about an, an alternate world where he didn't meet Ricky and Stephen, which would be interesting to see. But... Oh, that's cool. I like that. I like that. I do that. Stephen Merchant is obviously a legend as well. Yeah. He's really underrated though because he is. he's stuck between Ricky and Carl and he doesn't get his own attention. Incredibly really. underrated. I, I think he's way more famous than people realise as well. He's w- yeah. really prolific and he's done a load of stuff. He's big in the States, isn't but he? But no one knows him. Because <laughs> of his mm, yeah, because of his work with like Hello Ladies, he's big in the States. Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't realise. Oh, I, I didn't realise yeah. he was big over in the States because of that. That's interesting. I, I believe so because I've I've seen a lot more people who seem to appreciate him through the states and oh, okay because he because he had, well, he had a whole American show and I haven't I've I've seen clips of Hello Ladies I haven't seen the show itself um, yeah I've not seen it so yeah, couldn't comment to see um but yeah I I think that like there need to be it's just a completely like weird tangent but. I'd like to there to be more sitcoms in the UK, some better sitcoms. Mm, yeah, we've we've left the golden age of sitcoms. Like round Friends was the like the golden age, um, coming out of like Frasier and stuff, and Everybody Loves Raymond, shows that I used to watch as a kid. I I, I like a lot of the the classic comedy, Blackadder, Monty Python, Faulty Towers. Um, I've just got into Fry and Laurie. Um, which is brilliant. I've never watched um, Fire and Laurie, but I can imagine, having watched a lot of Jews and Worcester, yes. I bet it's fantastic. And Spaced is very good as well. Um, yeah, oh, I've heard of it, but not seen it. Yeah, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost with Edgar Wright's first work together. That's I've just started watching as well. Um, there's, there's only two seasons, so say just started watching, I'm already nearly finished, and I started mm. yesterday. But, <laughs> I um, smashed it. Uh and then, but I, I, I quite like Not Going Out. I don't know if you've seen much of Not Going Out. No. That's good. Um, Lee Mack and Tim Vine originally. Uh, Miranda Hart plays their cleaner. Mm. Um, she's very give or take for a lot of people, Miranda Hart. Um, she is a bit, and my... I can see why. Um, I'm neither here nor there on her. I respect her. She does her thing well. She doesn't particularly yeah. speak to me, but she's, she's we good. We really she's good. like her in our... We really like her in our household. I think it's because she can be entertaining for all ages without being crude or. Yeah, she's she's very family friendly and you see what you see is what you get. Standard, Mm. very solid in what she does. Um, Yeah, and I used to watch a bit of Miranda. It was pleasant enough and enjoyable enough to put on the TV. It's uh, when when my sister started watching through them quite a lot over and over again on Netflix that eventually we know like every line and it's not that funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the way though? It always is. Yeah. 
I suppose that's it with British sitcoms, though, because you only get six to eight episodes a series. There's not much room for it to mm. go, really. Yeah, Americans have it much more down to a T with filming. They just put all their time into it, and their like filming schedule is like nuts. Whereas we take a lot more time with our stuff, so it does. We do get less content per series. But I yeah. loved the Big Bang Theory, but that got really formulaic and oh, it got went old off quick. What it originally was. It was great. Um, yeah. I, I think I watched at the start of this season, I think, and then I just sort of gave up because the whole thing was that they couldn't get girls and they were struggling through dating, and now they're like all married with kids. Mm. So it yeah, kind of it's loses its. I lost interest after about series two. It's, it, it just Young... became pretty evident there was the same thing happening over and over again, and not re- and the, the writing isn't that great. It's okay, it does its job, but it's just a bit. Nah. Young Sheldon has something with it. Young Sheldon works really well. I've not it's seen not Young Sheldon, but everyone seems to like it. Yeah. I'm a few episodes behind, but I really enjoy what I've seen of it, and it's a lot better. Good child actors, which mm. is rare to find. It is rare to find. And there's there's a good show that was on uh, BBC, I think it's all on iPlayer now, called Hold the Sunset. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know much about that. Nope. Have you seen any of that? No, it's no. Um, John, John Cleese... Um, oh, I can't remember her name. The woman who plays the mum in Gavin and Stacey... Uh, Oh, um. um no, she's, I'm, I'm not gonna know her name. I know the face, obviously, but. Yeah. Um. And they're they're a couple who are just about to, um, get engaged, and they're well, they're sort of having a secret relationship, and John Cleese's character proposes, and then, uh, the woman's forty-year-old son appears, having, um, been divorced, and it's just sort of about them sort of hiding their relationship from him mm. and having to put their entire relationship on hold while trying to get him back into his unhappy mani- marriage mm. so they can have peace and it's that that sort of back into the the you know suitable for the whole family sitcom which we don't really have no we don't not which is... do you watch the durrells i've heard of it but i don't know much more than that okay that's uh it's not a sitcom at all but it's like that's and that it's as close as you get to a sitcom nowadays, but it's like pretty high budget, um, and it's got more of that sort of period drama feel, whilst being a comedy situated in a house in Corfu. Um, so it's not quite a sitcom, definitely doesn't fit that description, but it's a very high budget comedy drama sort of thing that's quite family friendly and just easy to watch and just pretty and relaxing. Um, so I'd, I'd definitely recommend uh, the Durrells. I will look into that. Um, yeah, because yeah, I think with Netflix and there's a whole podcast I'm listening to about this and things like that. Pe- people aren't sitting down as a family to watch TV anymore, really. No, they're not. It's Which, moved I mean, to phones. In our household, yeah. Like like from um, the, this... from radio, the big shift into television. Now there's the shift from television into phones and computers. Um, so yeah, it's that's kind of dying out. And I think I I wonder what the lifespan of TV is. I wonder if it will just decline and become streaming on your phone more individual um, entertainment. Obviously, it would be nice to keep television around. Mm. Although I like 
you know, binge watching and stuff, there's still a, a part of me that really likes, you know, waiting every Saturday. So do I. Friday for the and I've talked to people about this, and no one agrees with me. There's, well, there's a couple of people that don't agree with me, and they're just like, no, well, you, you can get, you can get footage whenever you want. You can just watch it whenever you want. But there's a certain. You know, you are you are sitting down and you are thinking, ah, I wish there's another episode, but it's nice to stretch it out. Yeah, it's, it's nice, nice to, to have just have it there, wait. taken out of your hands, then it's. There's an extra layer of, I don't know, there's a, there's a feeling around it that I can't quite uh, put my fingers on. But it's just a certain pleasure that you don't get with just Netflix or YouTube or whatever. Um, just sitting on the couch, sitting with friends or whoever. I really like the, you know, the rare occasion where I could stay up late and watch a show instead of seeing it on iPlayer the next day. There's something nice about, you know, watching it and being, like among the first people to see it as it comes out and you know you're you know you're seeing it at the same time as everyone else yeah so like it's, it's a... a shared yeah or got that to look forward to at that time yeah, yeah. definitely get that and well it's like i can't there's, there's many other things there's a really interesting podcast called um smash the media i've heard of smash the media I, I don't know yeah. specifically about it, but again, this is one of the podcasts that AJ listens to a lot of podcasts, and I don't really listen to many podcasts. So uh, it's uh, like forty-odd-year-old um, television producer Guy Lambert with twenty-odd-year-old um, YouTuber Danny Sim, and it's sort of about the, mm. the the generations between media, and they've they've done episodes okay, about. Well, sometimes they go into like politics and things, but they often go into sort of whether um youtube is worthwhile if netflix has beaten tv and whether spotify mm. has beaten radio and it's quite interesting sure yeah well, that's yeah very interesting I'd, I'd, i should listen to more podcasts really roderick on the line some of the one i've heard that i should listen to um, i'm i'm really big into this one at the moment called hey do you remember which is um, mm. a group of people who re- who revisit a TV series or film that they grew up with as a child and see whether it holds up. And that's really interesting. Okay, that's a cool concept. Um, that's a cool idea. I don't think there's much else. There's a, there's a good... I, I, I've subscribed to so many things, but I don't listen to like every episode. I'll just... They'll come out and there's very few I'll listen to. Yeah, so, sort of phasing it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think your, your podcast needs to come out more on iTunes because... Although I like watching it on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, you said about yeah, that. Although um, I like watching it on YouTube. I'm going to get onto AJ for that. I like listening to podcasts like when I'm going to sleep or while I'm walking the dogs, and it's a lot easier on download form for that. Just through iTunes. Um, I'm trying to think what else there is. There's Dan Harmon's podcast, Harmon Town. I've dipped into that. That's quite good. Um, mm. Milk Two Sugars, Five Who Fans uh, do a podcast. Um, Big Damn Cast is good, but. I'd recommend them, but they they are pretty harsh on class, so I'd I'd work <laughs> on you. Um, well, that's fine. Yeah, people have to have their own opinions, yeah. even if I disagree with them. Um, yeah, it's 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 weird, you know, enjoying class when surrounded by people who really don't like it, and it's it's like the things they point out about why it isn't good. I'm like, yes, I see that, but I like it, and I don't. It's 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 weird. There's well, that's Some the thing, sort of and anything's subjective at the end of the day, and the the Who fan base know what they like and know what they don't. Yeah. And it just so happens that some of them 
uh, irked by certain things in class, and that's fine. It's fine. Doesn't mean they're right. Doesn't mean they're wrong. But at the end of the day, um, the fact as... that it has a a small but dedicated fan base means that you know you're watching it. It feels like it's yours. I can watch it sort of like this show is a little thing that you know it's it's mine almost. I can. I, I'm one mm-hmm. of the few people who enjoy it, and I've met you multiple times, and I've met Faddy, and I've met Sophie, and it it feels very you know very close and. Yeah, if it was personal, uh, it's 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 a personal show, and it's it's quite nice, even though we haven't managed to go further with it, apart from Big Finish, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's just quite nice that it is like a little personal thing that people can really relate to because there are so few that uh, know and or enjoy it. And maybe as um, all of your careers kick off, especially um, the way that Patrick's is going, people will eventually look back at class and think, you know, what's this that they did at the start? And That would be nice. That would definitely be, yeah, give it 10 years, give it 5, 10 years, and people go, oh, oh yes, that. I saw you in that little show called Class. Um, I was one of the old fans, or maybe have new people come back and watch it. I'll be like, ah, you're one of those. <laughs> well, I think it's less like, less, well, things like Buffy and things. You go to conventions and meet people. And I mean, I wasn't even born when Buffy started, but I'm, I, I would call myself no, a really? dedicated fan. Oh, yeah, fan. of course. Um, so it's, it's, you know, you can be fans of things when they're not your own generation, which I suppose is the one of the good things that will come out of things like Netflix, that you can watch really easily things that you know you wouldn't be on tv yeah be memorialized forever which is uh, a benefit of being in this born in this day and age and one of the many perks we have being a human alive at this this time in history i think it's wonderful time to be alive and wonderful time to be an actor as well be a solidified in history it's very heartwarming to know that so you've given a a few things that you recommend. Is there any any other films or TV series that you think people should watch? Oh, well, I'm rewatching Breaking Bad at the moment. Have you ever seen Breaking Bad? No, I've heard. It's, of... uh, it's fantastic. It's the best show I've ever seen, hands down. Not without a shadow of a doubt it's just the best piece of tv i've ever ever seen it's just more of a character study onto the main character and his how he changes getting into uh the meth business and making methamphetamine and seeing how far he comes from the first season to the last season and the acting and the writing just some of the best i've ever seen brian cranston the lead uh, plays Walt, Walter White. Is um, oh, it, it showed him as being one of the best actors of our time, and ever, it's just not one weak part about that show. It's just fantastic, and I definitely recommend it if and when you want to watch it. It's, oh, I think I've this is my fourth, this is my fourth watch through of it. I think now, and again, learning, seeing more every time I watch it. It's great. I think there's very few things I've seen through that many times. I may have seen Class that many times for the sake of it's quite a nice short thing that I can watch in a couple of days and appreciate more. And I, I, I amongst all your acting, I also love Blair's soundtrack. Oh, Blair Miller is 
yeah, he was fantastic on this job. He was definitely one of the highlights. I said that Sophie's song in the last episode was very good as well. Um, mm, it was lovely, yeah. I, I, I liked episode how when you can see through episode three or four, um, when she's playing the violin, it is the same tune that comes up later on. Which, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Little bits like that, like really, you know, work well on rewatch. Yeah, so little nuggets of information. You go, ah, that's a lovely little callback to that episode. It shows the growth, shows the transition, stuff it's like, like that. I, I pointed out on, shows a bit of thought. I think I pointed out it. when on a previous episode of this podcast where we reviewed Pretty in Pink um, that in I don't know how much you've seen of John Hughes films. Um, no, not much. Uh, Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I've seen Ferris Bueller's Day Day Off. I've never seen the Breakfast Club, but again, that's you know the, yeah. I know the classic um, bits well like in the background of Ferris Bueller's room there's a poster that says um, Simple Minds Don't You Forget About Me advertising that CD and that song is the theme tune to The Breakfast Club and considering they're both from the same director I'm sure that there's you know that's a deliberate thing in the set um which is quite That's good. Cool. Um, and I've also got a book mm. about John Hughes where I find that every house in a film he's directed, although it's a different set, the layout is exactly the same in terms of you walk in, the steps are like the first thing you see, and then you've got... And it's just like really interesting things like that in some films that really... Yeah. Um, is there any... I think I asked Faddy this at Comic-Con. Is there any way that we can see um, bloopers or deleted scenes from class here in the UK? Oh, I'm tell you what that's reminded me. Uh, we had this really cool, um, like little promo slash blooper reel that we watched at the rap party. That was so cool. It was so so well done. Um, so I've been meaning to ask the producer, um, who we were really close with, uh, if we can get hold of that. So I'm I might look on look into that, and if I can, like nudge him to either get someone to put it up or send it to me and I can do something with it, I don't know. Um, but yes, that would be really cool. Are we to be seeing more on your YouTube channel? Uh, I want to. I desperately want to. It's just finding the time, the motivation. Yeah, the time and the motivation. It's, it's It was intensely time-consuming. And when I, when I get into something, I get into it pretty hard. Um, so... It, what has kind of replaced YouTube for me has kind of been the gym. <laughs> and now any time that I put into YouTube, I'm now at the gym. So it's now finding more t- other time in my life that I'm not seeing my friends, seeing my parents, doing the gym, working to fit in YouTube. Um, I was saying to AJ, I've got some videos that I haven't released. I've got like six or seven videos that are just there, ready to go, that I never put up. Um, which I might put up as like a, maybe a patron patron exclusive maybe, or I might just put them up online at some point because uh, that would be nice. And how did you get into acting? Is something I was meaning to ask. Um, is was there an easy route? Uh, was it drama school or just? Not, yeah, it was. It wasn't. I kind of just fell into it. I was. I started off as a dancer when I was younger, um, and then went met Abby and she got me into musical theatre and that's how I then 
uh, went to a place called Arts Ed in London, studied there for three years, very intense three years, incredibly hard work, and uh, got myself an agent through that, and um, they said, would you like us to put you up for some TV stuff, because we specialise in TV as well as musical theatre, so I was like, yeah, great, let's do it. And I think my second audition was for Mr. Selfridge, and got that job, and just kind of just the right place, right time, and uh, just been along that route ever since. Are you, what agency are you with then? Uh, with uh, an agency called Jonathan Aaron. My agent is a woman called Amy O'Neill, and I love them to bits. They are fantastic. They've been wonderful. They're quite a small agency. Yeah, no, that that's kind of how I've got into it, and just I've just been lucky. There's no one right way into acting. And it is just kind of, at the end of the day, a bit of luck with a bit of talent. And, yeah, I can't really say more than that, really. I think the route I want to take is through, like, film directing and things, but I have no idea how to get into that. Um, yeah, it's. I think with direction, is again, uh, with a lot of this stuff, it's about who you know. So it's... The more you can do, you seem to be doing exactly what you need to be doing. You're talking to the right people. You're putting yourself out there. You're constantly, mm. you know your stuff. You're you're living and breathing it. I think that's the way. It's just live and breathe it, and something will eventually happen. The more you can socialise with people within the industry, the more you'll get an idea of what you need to do and where you need to go. Um, and the more you can just put yourself out there. I think it's a bit cliched, but that is how it's done. Oh, I've got a Twitter notification of someone else submitted a question. Okay, um, yes, this is a weird one. <laughs> At Super Smiling says, where are you most ticklish? <laughs> That's a, I've never had that question before. That's, I, like it, I like a unique question. Um, where am I most ticklish? Hold on. I think it's on, you know, around your waist. There's a, there's a, I have a few tickly spots, but... That specifically, for anyone that wants to know, is around my waist. Please don't tickle me. It's not pleasant. <laughs> um, <laughs> it may look like I'm actually, smiling, but I'm crying on the inside. And actually, I'm surprised I haven't asked this. The question I ask every time someone's doing a Q&A um, is, well, there's, there's, there's two, actually. Um, one is, what is your favourite verb and why? Um, Ooh, okay. Verb See, that question on... just always works if someone's doing a Q&A and they don't read out the question, the people who send them in. It's easy to know which one's mine. Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, a verb, so a doing word. Um... <laughs> to spasm. Spasming. I just love the word. <laughs> now, there's a, a good word. It's, there's it's a so... great one I found out when I asked uh, the people on Big Damn Cast. There's a word called defenestrate. Don't know if you're aware of Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. So, is this something to do with windows? Yeah, the act of throwing someone out of a window. There we go. Because that's from the French... Uh, There's a French word in there that means windows, so... Yeah. Yeah, defenestrate's a good word. Um, But it's like, who who, who sat down and thought they needed a word for that? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, it's prevalent enough that it needed a verb. But it's not even even throwing something, it's specifically someone. Yeah. Which is quite... Yeah. Um, (laughs) Then the other question is, um, anyone living or dead, who would you most like to have um, tea with? 
Hmm. Oh, see, oh. I should start thinking up answer to these questions because these are the sorts of things that people like to ask. Um, a chap called Alan Watts I'd love to have dinner with. He's um, a very prolific uh, thinker and philosopher from the 60s and 70s English and uh, he's a very interesting perspective he takes eastern philosophy and applies it to science and a more western sensibility and uh, i'm very big into my meditation and stuff now i'm very big into mental health and um bettering my own sense of well-being um and he's a fantastic speaker just wonderfully entertaining and incredibly um intelligent so yeah alan watts he's he's dead now but I would love to have a chance to speak to him. For me, it'd probably be John Hughes because I'm just like a massive fan. I'd... Mm. Or or Tommy Cooper. Ah, uh, Tommy Cooper would be cool. Like Make you laugh, it's, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's always you know really upset me about how, how long ago he he passed away and the fact that you know because anyone who I'm a fan of I like to try and get on this podcast and obviously he's someone who died. Oh, at least what 20 years before i was born yeah quite, yeah what, what was the date that he died i'm gonna find was out was he even alive when i was born i, I, I think to, it I might s- be 30 years it might be at least 30 years before i was born i can't remember 84 so yeah um yeah he died eight years before i was born yeah have you have you seen the video i've seen the video yeah it's tragic mm. He did specifically say he wanted to die on stage making people laugh, which is really weird. <laughs> well, there you go. That's He went out yeah. exactly how he wanted to, which is fantastic. Yeah. He, he's excellent in The Plank, which I'd love to review on here at some point. Mm. I don't know how easy it is to review a film that's basically silent slapstick comedy. Um, but... <laughs> yeah, that would be quite interesting. You don't get much of that on, on YouTube, do you? <laughs> It's a shame that sort of the era of slapstick comedy is gone. It's, it's, it is. It's looked upon as a, a children's thing, really. When... Yeah, it's because it's not well done anymore, particularly. It's hard to do slapstick comedy well and new. It's, it's yeah. been done to death. And so, yeah. So, I mean, the only so, place I mean, you can really get it is like Panto. Which yeah, it's still, it's still alive and well in pantomime. Yes, it is. Good old Panto. And Panto's its own art form which is hmm. wonderful and stupid and silly and great yeah um well like there, there are some films which would be really hard to review on here like i i really like uh, monty python's meaning of life what's your twitter greg uh i think it's at gregory underscore austin or you can find me at uh, at the greatest waste uh which is the podcast i'm part of and is that every Sunday? Every Sunday at three o'clock, uh, and it's just a, an hour of stupid silliness where we do nothing but chat balls. Essentially, it's, it's, it's complete rubbish, but it's fun. It's a brilliant <laughs> thing to listen to while washing up. Yeah, no, that's that's what everyone says. <laughs> I mean, it makes washing up take an hour, but it's brilliant to listen to while washing up. Um, so yeah, it's been great talking to you. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me on, dude. And um, bye. bye.
Right, so before we wrap up, please be seated as a whole. I've got three short interviews slash film discussions with different guests. Uh, first one is Sylvester McCoy at Birmingham Film and Comic Con, which is a showmaster's event, just talking about his career and favourite films and films in general. So here it is. Um, and uh, please consider being a film review podcast. I'd like to know what are your favourite types of films? Oh, I like um, French films. I like. Um, oh, I have, uh, messages are coming through on my phone. Oh. My, my my phone, my watch. <laughs> when I got this watch the first time, my son bought it for me quite a few years ago. Very few people had them, and I was uh, on the corner, um, and suddenly a friend rang me, and of course this rings, and you can speak on it, and so uh, and I and I was and I was looking around. Well, shall I rush get a bus? run to meet my friend and I was talking to my friend on the, this and an old man came up to me and he said um, are you alright are you lost and I went no 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 I'm talking to my friend and he looked at me as if I was mad and walked away <laughs> anyway that's not the answer to your question but it just so happens that this went off yeah. so yeah what, what sort of what are your favourite of the French films then that you've oh Julie Jim uh uh, uh, oh I, I quite like Three Colours Blue. Yes, I saw. Yeah, I like the colours. Uh, also, oh God, there was why there was something de Monet. Monot. It's late in the day and I'm tired. But I, I like French films. I don't like. I'm, I'm not into science fiction. I'm not into uh, fantasy. And yet, I'm, I'm in them. <laughs> <laughs> I like. Um, So when did you first get the call to be in? Spanish, when did you first get the call to be in Doctor Who? Then, um, what, what were you doing when you got invited? Well, I was waiting up by the phone for them to call and ask me to do it. <laughs> really? Um, <laughs> 1987, six, seven? I don't know. A long time ago. So I've just got a very similar image to what it was, what you were like in Five-ish Doctors now, and because that was. Uh, what, what, what's the story behind Five-ish Doctors? Well, when we did... We, uh, the year before, all around the world, we were going, signing and meeting fans, and they all wanted us to be in the 50th anniversary. And we thought we would be, because that's what the fans wanted. Yeah. But we found out on the year of the anniversary, we weren't. So we thought, bugger them, we're going to make our own film. And we did, and it's better than their one. Mm. And we had a bigger cast. I'm very annoyed about that. It cost millions to have actually got the paid if those people had been paid yeah. I mean Ian McKellen was got 20 million to get, just to get him to sit down I mean, I'm very annoyed about the fact that the only way we can get it on DVD is in the big box set I think there should be a lot better releases but... yeah there should be that's the BBC they're not going to I mean they kind of put money into it so they can control it okay. well thanks so much for that pleasure I'm sorry I haven't really And you can find Sylvester McCoy on Twitter at for Sylvester McCoy and on Instagram at Sylvester McCoy News. Now we've got John Leeson, also at Birmingham Film and Comic Con, talking about his career and film in general. Yeah, welcome. Please be seated. I'm here with John Leeson, who's canine in Doctor Who. Um, that is correct. So, when did you first get the call about K9? 
1977, at some time round about probably August, I went down to my local pub, and in my local pub, very hot afternoon, I meet a director that I hadn't worked with for years in the theatre, years back. He's as surprised to see me as I'm surprised to see him. He's been directing Z Cars police series around the area where I live. He didn't know I lived there at all. I had a vague memory that I lived just up the road. He said, um, are you working? So I said, well, at the moment, no. And he said, well, I've got an idea. I'm not going to tell you about it, but you stand by your phone and your agent may call and we'll see what happens. My agent did call. My agent said, I've just had a call from the BBC. You want to know, do I want to play not one, but two parts in Doctor Who? What do I think? <laughs> so I thought, well, this meeting I had with director Derek, fantastic, it's turned up trumps. He said, no, 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 wait. I must tell you what the parts are. So I said, what are the parts? Well, they're only voice parts, is it? One is the voice of a virus, which I assume was the smallest part offer I'd ever been given in the whole of my life. And the other one was the voice of a robot dog. What do you think? So I said, well, I want to get my face around the place. I'm a youngish actor, you know. He said, well, I should take the job anyway. It's only in for one storyline. And here I am, 41 years later, telling you all about it. And as uh, Please Be Seated is a film podcast, what are some of your favourite films that either you might have had experience working on or even just to your own interest? Very difficult to say. Un Chien Andalou, I think, is probably quite an important one. Any of your listeners might look up Un Chien Andalou, um, which translates as The Andalusian Dog, and it's a film by Salvador Dali. Get them working on that. All right? Excellent. Otherwise... Are you having a good time here? I am. Are Excellent. You? Yes, I'm having a lovely time because I'm allowed to sit. <laughs> <laughs> You've all got to walk around. Anyway, is that enough? Yes, thank you so Brilliant. much. Brilliant. Thank That's you very much. And now we have Tony Curran talking about his role in Doctor Who and also franchises that he'd like to work in. And that was recorded at MCOM. <laughs> Who played uh, most well? Are you most well known for Vincent? Or? Yeah, or Vincent other? and uh, yeah, a few other. Probably most known as to our listeners. Sure, yeah. Um, so were you a fan of Doctor Who before? Yeah, I was. I was seeing in the the panel there. I I was brought up with uh, uh, Tom Baker. Yeah, when I was um, when I was growing up, and I'd I'd always uh, watch. His episodes, because there was plenty of them, you know. I mean, I think Andrew will tell me Tom Baker made how many episodes? Oh, yeah, there you go. He did, uh, he did, did you voice this and I'm wrong, I'm sorry. He did a few years, 
Um, yeah, so I've been brought up in that. You know? So you aware of how big a fandom you were getting into them? Oh yeah, well, I, I definitely went for the read-through for the Vincent and the Doctor episode. I was um, sometimes get a little nervous at read-throughs, but in this read-through I was a little nervous. And uh, you know, Richard Curtis wrote that episode, and um, Johnny Campbell's directing it. It was great meeting Karen and, and, and Matt. But yeah, no, you realise that it's it's a it's an iconic show. And um, and hopefully what what we did Curtis what we never, did was good. What we did surprised was surprised um, that Curtis never came back to write another story. Really, yeah. Because, yeah. No. I know there might have been more. Um, I know he's, done, he's to do been that. involved with the comic relief stuff, obviously, but yeah. I don't think he's done anything more. Than he's that, a busy man. Yeah. Now someone said recently, one of the uh, chaps who works here said that. They're, the show was shown to three teenagers that had never seen Doctor Who before, never liked Doctor Who, never watched it. And at the Vincent and the Doctor episode, they watched that, and they want they asked them to give it marks out of ten, and the three of them gave three nines, and they said, well. If you liked it so much, why didn't you give it a 10? And they said, the reason we didn't give it a 10 is because it wasn't long enough. <laughs> um, yeah, um, so, of course, it was such a strong emotional episode. and I, I feel like it, it's one of those episodes that really appeals to so many of different ages because you've got the monster for the little kids, but then you find that it's sort of a metaphor for Van Gogh depression. Yeah, indeed, yeah. No, very well put. It's... Um, yeah, no, that was a part of it that I thought was important to address. Obviously, he's a you know, perceived as a genius artist. Certainly, sadly, he died before he could realise how you know how loved he actually was. And uh, but yeah, addressing the the sort of uh, depression and his um, his unfortunate state of mind was something that we wanted to address you know within the comedic and the, the sort of relationship him and the doctor and, and, and Amy but I think it, we um, yeah we pinpointed sort of moments where we could uh, touch on his um, his state of mind you know and of course as you know it was uh, it was the only time a 1-800 number has been put at the end of a, a Doctor Who episode for people that that maybe had uh, depression or mental health issues could um, could call because there's such a sadly there's still a, a stigma attached to uh, to people with depression or mental health issues. So yeah, that was uh, it was uh, that was nice that, that uh, we could do that. You know. Um, are, are there any roles that you'd like to play in the future, or a role that you'd like to take? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like to keep. I don't know if I like to go, I, I want to play that and I want to play this. I, I very much, uh, some people say there's no fate but what we make. Might have been Linda Hamilton in Terminator, but um, but I, I think sometimes I just, I like to see where the wind blows and where it takes me, you know. Um, well, there's certainly some shows that I'd like to be uh It'd be nice to come back to Doctor Who, of course, you know. But I mean, there's some shows that are ever nice to be part of, and some um, some directors I'd love to work with. But you know, nothing specific. Well, thank you so much. It's lovely to meet you. I thank you all so much for listening. I'd like to thank all my guests I've had this series, 
Andy Kind, Lisa and Louise Burns, Guy Lambert, Dave Shelton, Mike Colton, Freya Hannon-Mills, David Roll, Mark Atkinson, Greg Austin, Sylvester McCoy, John Leeson and Tony Curran. As well as big thanks to Alex Patterson, who I recorded the pilot episode with about a year ago, which you can find on my YouTube channel, Bottle Productions. You can find me on Twitter at Llama underscore Bottle Zero. You can find the show at, excuse the pun, please be tweeted. And you can find us on Facebook on Please Be Seated. And so for the last time this series, goodbye.